Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by listeners like you. Learn how you can support the show and access exclusive podcast episodes of Book Club and more by visiting patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner. I I've been I'm definitely been enjoying like more now that you know like I'm always inside and I would love to hear like what other creative people are thinking like yeah. about making and the stories so, yeah it has been very helpful I really Good. appreciate it. If you're going to quit something, make the decision to quit for the right reasons. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number six hundred. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today I'm joined by Aram Kim. Aram's latest picture book is called Let's Go to Taekwondo, and it follows the same characters we met in No Kimchi for Me, into a setting not just about learning the martial arts, but also about bringing awareness to your mental health. I asked Aram if Taekwondo was an interest shared from childhood. It wasn't, and in fact, it was something she spent time and experience learning. And from that comes this quote that I think introduces our conversation perfectly. Quote, If I resist learning something new, I'm not qualified to write this book. My friends, what Aram delivers readers is both qualified and beautiful. Please welcome my guest, Aram Kim, author and illustrator of Let's Go to Taekwondo. Hi, my name is Adam Kim. I'm an author and illustrator of children's picture books. I use pronouns she, her. I live in Queens, New York. I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, and grew up in South Korea. My family moved back to Korea when I was two years old, so I don't have any memory of Cincinnati from my childhood. I came to New York to go to school in 2006, and then I stayed after graduation. Oh, I'm also working. Sorry. <laughs> I... No, it's okay. I So I always kind of like, I, I must have hesitated because I'm usually not so sure if I want to talk about my work as a designer because oh, yeah. I also design picture books. So I was like, ah, oh, do I say it or talk not? Talk about all of it, Aram. <laughs> I would love, I didn't know okay. that. I don't know your work beyond picture books. That's great. Tell us, I... please. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, so I'm also working as a picture book designer currently at Macmillan Children's Publishing Group. So I get to work with a lot of fantastic illustrators during the day, talking about books all the time. And when I come back home in the evening, or these days when I just close the work computer, <laughs> that's when I focus on my own stories and illustrations. <laughs> I didn't know that you worked with Macmillan. You get to work I, on both sides of publishing. That's so neat to help design books, to it, help work with an artist to, to bring out the best in their book. And then you have someone doing that with you, too. Yes, it is. It has been really great. I actually started um, in the publishing industry as a designer because I wanted to publish my book. <laughs> so I was seeking for the practical tips from inside of the industry. But then I actually loved designing and working with illustrators and editors and authors much more than I thought I would. And I stayed. That's so cool. I mean, I think now I've been doing this podcast for about seven years. And I think now if you asked me, I would tell you that it's it's like a masterclass in children's publishing for me that I get to learn as well. Oh, <laughs> oh tell me how you I, write. Right? But it's funny that I wouldn't have said that's how I set out. It was just more that that's sort of what it became. So I love sharing that connection with you. <laughs> that's so I'm neat. so glad. I Yeah, I was listening to your podcast about We Are Water Protectors, and that's one of the books that I was involved in. And that was absolutely one of my favorite books that I worked on. Oh, my I was gosh, so yes. lucky. Yeah, I was incredibly lucky to get to see Micaela's works, like how she works, and just that delivery of beautiful works it was just mind-blowing we are water protectors is exceptional and not only did carol lindstrom write such beautiful words but yeah mm -hmm. michaela michaela goad's mm -hmm. ability to channel water through her medium and through her illustrations was just it was wow and it's neat that you get to work with different illustrators and and their voices in that way. Do you primarily work with picture books or do you also work with graphic novels with first, second being there? Um, actually, I do a little bit of middle grade, not with the first, second, okay. but then I do a little bit of middle grade, but my main focus is picture books. I love it. Well, Which and, I love. And yes. I was saying, you also <laughs> make picture books. So I'm so glad I was telling you outside of recording that it was so wonderful to have Cheryl from oh. the Holiday House reach out to me in this time of <laughs> quarantine and say, I know we're all at home, but we have these new books coming out. And I wonder if you'd be interested in as soon as I oh. saw that your name was on the list. I thought, yes, I can finally have a chance to talk to Aram because I know you from oh. No Kimchi for me. And to see, uh, to get to look at, this is, wait, this is going to be a neat, like, behind the scenes thing. I, I don't know if even you knew that they did this. So when Cheryl sent the... Um, PDF of your book to me, because at the time, at least, we weren't mailing out review copies. So I have Let's Go right. to Taekwondo uh, as a PDF, but there's a water print over every page that says the children's book podcast. And I thought, I've never seen oh. my water my watermark over things. That's so fun. <laughs> That that is amazing. So as I'm reading your <laughs> and book, they I feel made that watermark right. specifically for you. <laughs> I I know that 
I mean, I'm not. I know that they put it on there so that if any images pop up with my water print on it, they'll know, oh, that was Matthew that shared it. But on the other uh, side uh, of it, I just feel flattered because <laughs> I'm like, this is for me. As I'm reading this book, I can't stop but think this is for our conversation. It's so special. So there's oh there's been a neat kind of anticipation leading into talking to you today. I just wanted to share that with you. I really appreciate that. And I will talk to Sherry about it, how special <laughs> you feel about the watermarks. <laughs> I know, the little things, right? Who would have guessed those little things would have been special? For so sure. let's talk about, let's go to Taekwondo. I have so many questions about it. I love that it is a story about about confidence and bravery and, and pushing yourself and not competing with others, but really having having that 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 internal focus. Could you share a little bit about what this book is to you? Yes, of course. Um, so this book, Let's Go to Taekwondo, is a companion book to my previous book, No Kimchi for Me. It is special in a way that it is the topic that I would have never thought of working on. And when I made No Kimchi for Me, I had so much fun I had such great responses from readers about like kimchi, Korean culture, and picky eaters and sibling conflicts. I wanted to continue on with this main character, Yumi. And also I wanted to continue on this specific topic of Korean heritage, as well as something that is really widely known universally in the United States as well. So it didn't come to me easily. I actually had to think about it for a few months. I didn't know what to talk about in the next book with Yumi. And after a few months, it sort of just came to me. It just popped into my head. And then when it did, it just felt so natural because Taekwondo is really, really common in Korea. Every neighborhood has all these Taekwondo dojangs, especially for children, for after school extracurriculars, it's super common. So I feel very familiar with it, even though I didn't grow up learning or practicing. And I noticed that there are many children in the United States who are also practicing Taekwondo. And then it just kind of clicked. And then I decided to do Taekwondo. Let's go to Taekwondo. And then I enrolled in Taekwondo Dojang to learn. <laughs> you did not. That's awesome. <laughs> I did. I did so. It's funny because a few years ago, I actually did want to learn Taekwondo. But at the time, I actually couldn't find the right place to learn. All the Dojangs were for children. I couldn't find a place for adults. Um, so at that time, I kind of gave up and did something else. But then this time when I was looking, I found it everywhere. So I enrolled it. And I actually, I, I have to admit that I really resisted enrolling. It was totally outside of my comfort zone. I just didn't want to feel that first day jitters, getting used to new things and doing something that I'm totally not familiar with. I wanted to do something like that I'm good at already. 
were something that I'm familiar with. I wanted to take art classes, but I just didn't feel good about not learning at least a little bit before I made this book. Because in my head, I thought children actually do go through these new things constantly in their lives. They are put in these situations that they have to face the new circumstances, new learnings, new friends all the time. So if I resist learning something new, I feel like I just am not qualified to write this book. <laughs> so I did force myself to enroll and I actually had a lot of fun with it. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it very much, but as in the book, as Yumi did, I had a lot of excuses not to go to Dojang. And not like Yumi, who persisted, I didn't persist. So I did stop going after a couple of months, I have to admit. <laughs> did, did I drift apart to like far away from the question you asked me? No, I love it. I'm <laughs> delighting that this was not a story that was written because Taekwondo was so special to your childhood. Rather, it was something that even <laughs> as an adult, you resisted. But to, yes. to to really tap into those feelings, not only to find a class that's right for you, and certainly you've given Yumi a class that is welcoming. But as you're talking about Taekwondo, I remember going to, um, when I was a child, I, th I think it was just a karate class. There was some, you know, advertisement in the newspaper mm -hmm. or something that you could attend the first class for free. And I remember sitting, I don't even know why I didn't participate. I wore whatever I wore to that class with my dad. I sat along the wall and probably halfway through left because I just felt, <laughs> I think, intimidated by everyone being at different levels, not uh -huh. knowing what I was doing. It's very common in martial arts classes uh -huh. that you join while others have been doing this for some time. And right. I can't quite think of anything else in my life that is like that. Often, like if you're joining a, a team to play a sport for a season, you might be new, but we all start the season at the exact same time. And right. this is something that's ongoing and, and that just makes it different, right? It is very different. I loved it. Because, not because everyone was on a different level, but then because everyone was in different level, everyone helps one another. And that is a big part of Taekwondo, it seemed like. So every student who are already there, they teach new students something. So that was actually very impressive to me. And I did go look at some other children's lessons in different Taekwondo dojangs. And that, yeah, that seemed to be a common practice where all the kids are helping out each other. And I really loved it. So that's also the part of the story in Let's Go to Taekwondo, where Yumi and friends, they are being helped by older kids, but also they help a new kid. Yeah, they help Caleb, they help the new friend. And there's, there's a lot of really beautiful moments here where um, the sensei asks, um Yumi to help be my co-teacher let's let's do this together despite having those moments where she was seeing the the board growing in front of her and being afraid <laughs> of hitting it when she returns she's welcomed and I love that 
in the time when she's making all of these excuses to go. Actually, here, Aram, <laughs> do you mind if I read to you? Is that okay? Yes, please. Great. I would love that. Thank you. I think this will give a good sense because Yumi lives with her grandma. Grandma, at the same time we see, is trying to uh, learn how to do um, virtual calls on her computer while Yumi uh-huh. decides that she does not want to go. So it reads, um, well, let me back up. It says, that night, Yumi can't sleep. This is the day after everyone broke the boards in her class, and she is just dreaming of this giant board mocking her in her sleep. It continues, the next day, Yumi tells Grandma, I'm not feeling well. I can't go to Dojang. Okay, Grandma says. The day after that, she tells Grandma, I have too much homework, so I can't go to Dojang. Okay, Grandma says. The next day, Yumi tells Grandma, I'm quitting Taekwondo. Okay, Grandma says. And the page turn is the best on this. You've mirrored the image of of Yumi with her hands in the air, eyes closed, frustrated. We turn the page and there is Grandma throwing the books in the air, eyes closed, frustrated, saying, and I'm quitting this computer. And it continues, Yumi was startled to hear Grandma shout, I want to call my sister Mizuk in Korea, but I just can't do it. Just keep trying, Grandma, Yumi says. You'll figure it out. Yes, I will. Grandma says, and you continue there with with Yumi not leaving her grandmother's side, but being a voice to counteract that voice in her head of I can't do it um, and of just of just being there, helping her to break down the task into small bites. Right. Just break. Don't make it so overwhelming. Just do it small at first, in which case Yumi starts smashing or uh, slashing through an imaginary board or slashing through a rice cracker. I just I love the way that you have given her a chance to see her emotions on someone else. And that helps her process her own emotions. We are all here at home, but we can turn to books for company. Visit MatthewCWinner.com and click on Shop in order to support independent bookstores while supporting your favorite bookmakers and kidlit podcasters. Same books, same great prices, but this time your dollars make a difference for someone or some indie bookstore trying to make a difference. Go to MatthewCWinner.com and click on Shop to choose your next great read. Exactly. I you just put it so well. I wouldn't have been able to do that. Thank you. <laughs> well, I love your story, and of course, I'm reading it, going, "Yes, this is." Well, I should back up and say around the the during our we are entering our tenth week of virtual school, our final week of virtual school. Um, this is either the tenth or next week is the tenth, whatever it is, ten or eleven weeks. It doesn't matter. Um, what matters is that. In this time that I've been doing synchronous lessons with my uh, library classes, I've started to read more and more books I've found that focus on emotions and emotional intelligence and processing how we're feeling because I think that's what's been helpful for me. And so, of course, it would be helpful as well for children so we can 
share that together. And so I don't think it's surprising to say that books that are also exploring those same ideas are really speaking to me right now. And so you, in your wisdom and beauty in this book, are really speaking to me. Yumi is really speaking to me. <laughs> oh, you're too kind, but I really glad, I'm really glad to hear that. Thank you. Yeah, I did want Yumi and Grandma together um, going through separate but the same similar journey of figuring something out and then inspiring one another and then not giving up. And they do both achieve what they wanted. So that is a happy ending. But I have to say that it doesn't always happen that way. And when I talk to the kids, I say that sometimes it is okay to quit when you have a good reason. And you just need to make sure the reason why you want to quit is the right reason to quit with. I agree with that. Giving permission to quit is an Mm -hmm. important thing for children to hear. To persist to a point, but know that there is nothing wrong with quitting because then it gives you the opportunity to find something that's a better fit. Exactly. I do tell children when I talk about this book that, I I admit that I quit Taekwondo (laughs) because I never grew out of white belt that I started with. I didn't get to yellow belt like Yumi did, so I did quit. But the thing I didn't quit was about making books, making this Let's Go to Taekwondo book. And I'd say that it does take a really long time to make a book. And sometimes I do want to quit because... I don't know if I'm doing okay. I don't know if this work is good enough. Sometimes I just feel like it will never end and I just want to quit. But bookmaking, I don't quit because I really, really love doing it. And I know the reward would be really great if I do persist and finish making it. Yeah. But I did quit Taekwondo. So. <laughs> did you get a chance to, to break a board before you quit? I, I did not even get oh, to no. that far. <laughs> Yumi did accomplish more than you did, but that's okay. She did. She did. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that makes me smile thinking that, that that wonderful illustration where you just give the full page spread of Yumi cracking the board, just the giant crack down the screen, that that sort of got to be your, your, your accomplishment was, as yes. well. <laughs> I was living it vicariously through you, me. (laughs) That's wonderful. I want to ask, because I love your color palette so much. I love how you block color. Um, I I really like the way that that your art looks. I don't know how else to say it. So I wanted to back up and ask how you make your art. What's your process? Are you mostly working digitally or traditionally? And and then talk to me about, about your relationship with color. Um, so in terms of the process, the reason why some, like a lot of it is kind of blocked is because I love printmaking. Um, so I do kind of like, I, I don't do printmaking so much anymore just because it takes so much time and energy and equipment, but I still love how the printmaking looks So what I do is that I start with traditional medium. Most of this is done by pastel and lines are done by pencils and some color pencils. Color pencil is actually my favorite medium and crayons. So I use all those on a paper, but then at the end, I scan them all in and then I put them together on a computer. 
And when I actually um, color at the beginning, I don't decide what color I'm going to use. I usually just use single color of either black or blue, and I scan them in black and white, and I change the colors on computer in Photoshop. So I what I mostly get out of using the traditional medium is the texture of it and the feel of it when I'm making it. But then at the end, I put them all together on a computer. And for the color, I really appreciate that you <laughs> telling me you like the color because I'm always struggling with the colors. And that is actually one of the reasons that I transitioned into digital coloring because that way I can explore much more than I could have through the traditional medium. I can change and then look different combination pretty much endlessly. I do have to stop at some point, of course, but I can try all these different colors and I print them out and then see if they work on the paper as well, as much as on the screen. And yeah, that's actually one of the biggest reasons that I'm using Photoshop to color so that I can build more confidence and the fluency in using the colors. And for Let's Go to Taekwondo, I actually did include a little short explanation in the very back matter about the term called ubangsek. So ubangsek means five colors, five directional colors in Korean. And those five colors, black, white, yellow, red, blue, they have been used in Korean culture, outfits and decorations, food, architecture everywhere throughout the history. And I, and then also Taekwondo colored belts, their main colors are from that as well. So I try to keep that in mind when I was doing the color palette for this book, at least. That, I, I had noticed that back matter. And that is exactly what I see speaking through your art too, the Obang Sek, the um, everyone wearing the white gi and having primarily just just white everywhere, but having it offset by that blue mat or by um, whatever these different uh, people are, be they cats or um, pigs <laughs> or goats I um, or geese uh, or a squirrel. That was my favorite, the squirrel. Um, oh. <laughs> I, I, found, I found the color blocking to just be one that, that reads really beautifully on the eye. And I think that that is something also that, I, that I'm that i drawn to about um, some picture book art. And I think something that I like to explore with students as well when we talk about why different art appeals to us is that conversation about uh, sometimes limiting a color palette can make things feel perhaps more cohesive, can help our brain <laughs> connect everything together. I think that's really nice. That is for sure. Uh, and speaking of cohesiveness, I love your end papers, Aram, that you've got uh, a sort of catalog or a scrapbook, I suppose we should call it, 
of <laughs> where they started off in this class and where we ended at the end of the book that that I'm assuming it's Yumi's scrapbook that she's got all of these um, <laughs> friends in the class and a, a, a demarcation of what their belt color is. And then at the end, mm-hmm. those of us that that th- those children that are watching for those detail changes will notice that some people are still on the same belt and some people have passed to the next belt. I thought that was really uh-huh. neat. Oh, thank you. I had fun. I I think end paper is where I actually really have fun just exploring different ideas because it's not as crucial as part of the story. But that's where you can really extend the story outside of the pages. And that's a nice bonus for anyone who notices it. So I do have a lot of fun making end papers. Can I ask you why, if if, if there is a reason why? um, Oh, by the way, wait, before I ask you that, I love also that the the children's names are in Korean as well as in English. It's (laughs) neat to see those both. I am sure not only will you have readers that share names with some of these characters take note of that and want to write their name in Korean, but you will have others <laughs> that will be able to read it. And that's a special connection. I So that's actually one thing that most of Taekwondo Dojangs do. So they would help write their names in Korean on their uniform, on their tobok. And I noticed it and I thought it was really neat. Okay. So yeah that's, yeah, that's the reason I included it here. Well, I like that. Oh, and I was going to ask, the thing I was going to ask is, if there is a reason, how did you choose what animals would be represented in this class and in in Yumi's world? Um, I have to tell you that there are no special reasons. (laughs) It is pure coincidence that the judges and the master (laughs) are a tiger and a rabbit. I love that. (laughs) So, yeah, I mostly chose the animals that I like to draw. But for those masters, um, squirrel and tiger, actually, there are reasons for those two. Um, And actually for Master Cho as well as a rabbit. So because this Taekwondo is a martial art, I thought that it's often viewed as something very either masculine or how I put it, something very aggressive in a way. It could be viewed, but I wanted to show that it doesn't have to be done by someone who is always seen as either aggressive. Aggressive is not the right word. Um, I so the reason why, though. Like if you, yeah. I, I don't mean to interrupt, but if no, no, by making Master Cho a rabbit, there's a certain mm-hmm. sense of, uh, I don't know, being gentle or timid. These qualities that we that we put on rabbits. This is how we we picture rabbits. Right. Um, right. That if you had a tiger as the master, it could be, I feel like that choice, you would have to work even harder to convince mm-hmm. the reader through your storytelling that this is a, a, a teacher that will be kind because we tend to picture, right. or tigers tend to be portrayed as these aggressive, sharp, um, like vengeful, animals despite them being beautiful or whatever we just 
as humans, we, we, or as in this case, maybe as Americans, we tend to believe in certain animals having certain qualities. Right, exactly. So I I thought actually having tiger as a master would be kind of an obvious choice, if that's the right word, or it would have been my first choice to make the master as a tiger, someone who would be strong or appear to be strong doing the martial arts. But I wanted to show that martial arts or taekwondo is not only for like strong people it is not about physicality it is about your mental health as well Um, when you do taekwondo you do meditation along with you have to be mindful about your spirit as well so being appear to be gentle outside but um, strong inside was what I wanted to show I don't know if I'm delivering my message right no I hear it yeah. yeah, that's what I was going for. And yeah, squirrel, like I wanted to show that even though you are tiny, like really, really small, list of smallest, you could still be a master of this certain art if you try hard. Well, I love that you've given each of your children and adults in this book um, different personalities just by how they walk through the story. Um, I love Ravi being a frog and being as flexible as they are. <laughs> I love um, Lizzie with her, her headscarf and that she has the gracefulness of a goose. I always picture like that's sort of a neat, <laughs> a neat long animal. I love that Gabby is rocking the tutu and that, you know, that Yumi has her brothers with her too. There's just, there's a nice... Um, there's a, there's a nice balance of of characters in this story that that, that just all they they're taking they're taking up the space they need to take up in community with one another and it, I don't know it's just it's just neat to think that your thoughtfulness in this book and the way you've portrayed them is not like oh well you're clearly uh the I don't know the the Caleb of the group or you're clearly the whatever there's no like stereotypes maybe is the word I'm looking for in these these characters but rather that there's been thought put into uh the animal and how you've portrayed them even if it was just in your subconscious it's neat that it's come out the way it it, it did it's really a wonderful book Aram Oh, I'm glad. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Matthew. I do have one story about Lizzie that I would love to oh, share. Oh, you have that, a story yeah, about Lizzie? <laughs> I do. I have never shared with anyone. So you are the very first person who's hearing this. <laughs> and I and then after this airs a lot of people. Um, so I made Lizzie based on a duck this author you you must know this author her name is debbie michiko florence of course i know debbie jasmine taguchi of course yes yes so debbie used to have two ducks one of them was called lizzie yes (laughs) (laughs) and the other one is called darcy um, she has, she still has Darcy, but Lizzie um, sadly died about a year ago or so. 
Um, so she had these two ducks and she used to share the videos of them. And I just loved seeing these two ducks. It was so delightful. And they are different kinds of ducks. Um, Darcy is packing duck and Lizzie was Indian runner duck. So they look different. They, they look, act yeah. different. And Lizzie, Indian runner duck, um, that's kind of the duck who stands very straight. So instead of like waddling, like they run and really fast. And yeah, they just look very, they stand up very straight. So they are taller. And I just had so much fun looking at these duck videos from Debbie's blog. <laughs> and then I thought, well, this duck is so sporty. Like this duck runs so fast. I have to put it in my Taekwondo book. And that's how I named this duck Lizzie. <laughs> I love that. I love that it's a duck after a duck you saw on social media. <laughs> yeah. And That's yeah, delightful. before this episode airs, I'm going to have to email Debbie and let, Debbie let her know. know. That's right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to tell her, but then somehow I haven't. So now I have to. Now wow, it's out that. of the back. <laughs> well, you have something to tell to Debbie. That's for sure. And I love that. But I want to end by giving you a chance to, to say something directly to your readers as well. Uh, I know you said that some readers have already gotten to meet um this new book and that's wonderful and for all of those that will later uh, i'd like to ask you this question Aram, and that is i will see a library full of children tomorrow morning is there a message that i can bring to them from you uh there are so many things that i'd love to tell our children um especially now that i don't get to see them very often so i'm so glad that you will be um being a messenger <laughs> to the children from me. I want kids to know that it is okay to feel all the emotions that you feel, especially when you're a kid. Sometimes you don't know if it is okay to feel all the different feelings, even if you feel them. You just don't know if they are good, if you're allowed, if it's okay to talk about them. And that is actually same for adults too because we grew up feeling used to a lot of rules, trying to fit into our surroundings and circumstances. We slowly but surely learn not to express ourselves so openly. So I want the children to know that it's okay to feel all the emotions that they are feeling. They are all legit because they are feeling them, right? But then not only that, I always, I always thought drawing and writing are always the great ways to express those feelings. And I want kids to try that because when you put those down on the paper, as in drawings or writing, I can promise that it will soothe you no matter what that feeling is. Even if it's something about sadness or anger, it will help you to soothe your emotions and help you feel better. And it will help you remember the happiest moment more vividly. And you might want to make a book about those feelings and become an author and illustrator like I did. The 
The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by me, Matthew Winner, in my library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 600 episodes at matthewcwinner.com. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the free music archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and don't reflect the ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Become a patron, and you can directly impact and help to sustain the podcast. Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that is a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cosy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.